Thank you, uh, Patricia. And now she's going to run off to uh, do crafts with the Sunday school kids. Bye. Greetings, oh favored ones. The Lord is with you. Introduce you to a couple of friends uh, who has been showing up quite a bit uh, in our church. Yeah. Uh, these guys have been arrested for uh, stealing Christmas presents. That's why they've been lurking around our church. Hey. So the police have locked them up uh, separately and are trying to get their confessions. <clears throat> Garfield and Odie must decide whether to cooperate with each other or remain silent. Oh, sorry, cooperate with each other and remain silent. Or betray each other and confess. Each one will have to make their choice without knowing what the other will do. Here are the possible outcomes of their choices. If they both cooperate and remain silent, they will each serve a one-year sentence. If they both betray each other and confess, they will serve two years each. If one cooperates and the other betrays, the traitor goes free while the other serves three years. The situation is such that each suspect will always have an incentive to betray and confess, regardless of what the other suspect chooses. For example, if Garfield thinks that Odie is going to betray him, well, uh, sorry, if Garfield thinks Odie will cooperate, betrayal will help Garfield avoid jail time. If Odie betrays him, Garfield is better off betraying as well, because then he will get two years instead of three. Nevertheless, Garfield and Odie can minimize their average jail time if they cooperate with each other. That is, if both of them choose not to betray each other, they will serve an average of one year and nothing more. This is what is known as the prisoner's dilemma. The crux of the dilemma is simply, should people choose what is best for themselves as an individual, or should they choose what is best for themselves as part of a group? In our gospel passage today, Mary faces a prisoner's dilemma. Who is Mary and what is her situation? What are her options and how does she choose? What would we have done if we are in her position? Let's revisit this familiar passage to find out. Luke introduces us to Mary in verses 26 to 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. A few things we may know about Mary from this. First of all, Mary is from a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Although Luke calls Nazareth a city, suggesting some skill, most commentators believe that it was a town of no repute. But to be sure, Nazareth is never spoken of in the Old Testament. And here at its first mention, it must be accompanied by its region to be recognizable. It's like how most Singaporeans don't know where Dundee Road is. But if you say Queenstown, they go, ah, but they still don't know where it is. Second, Mary was betrothed to be married. The Jews tend to have their daughters betrothed for a year and married off before they turn 13. This practice ensures the purity of the girls because they would have just reached full puberty at the time of their wedding. The fact that Mary was already betrothed reveals that she was around 12 years old. 12 years old seems so young, right? Especially when we think of uh, Singaporean girls who are just starting secondary one. But uh, since marrying young is the prevailing custom in those days, Mary is just going through what every other girl would have gone through in her day and age. Luke tells us nothing about Mary's family. Is there nothing worth mentioning? 
If you really want to know, verse 36 of our text tells us that Mary is related to Elizabeth. Since Elizabeth is a descendant of uh, Aaron, we can guess that Mary is also from the tribe of Levi, if not a descendant of a priest herself. But coming from a priestly family was nothing special in those days. Yeah? There are so many priests, they must take turns to serve in the temple and cast lots for the privilege of entering the holy place. And to be honest, since uh, women do not inherit the priesthood, Mary's lineage is inconsequential to her. It's really not worth mentioning. I've just wasted your time. Besides her family, Mary's appearance, her personality, and the spiritual life are not worth mentioning either. What Luke is trying to tell us is that Mary is an exceptionally ordinary girl. She was a nobody from nowhere with no name. Yet, this ordinary girl is about to find herself in an extraordinary situation. The Lord calls her through an angel. We're given the name Gabriel to help us identify this angel, and it's helpful to know his name. You see, Gabriel is the same angel who appeared to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. Gabriel told Zechariah that Elizabeth would become pregnant. Elizabeth did become pregnant. Gabriel told Zechariah that Zechariah would not be able to speak until his son is born. Zechariah did become unable to speak. Since everything Gabriel says takes place, we know that Gabriel is a trustworthy angel of the Lord. And now Gabriel comes to Mary. Since it is the same angel from the same Lord, we can be confident that whatever he says is true and will come true. Gabriel is so confident too that he's bursting with excitement knowing what God has in store for Mary. In the thrill of hope, Gabriel starts heaping Mary with compliments the minute he sees her as if the good news he brings has already taken place. Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. If you don't understand angel language, uh, what he means is, congratulations, ah, Mary, wow, you are a recipient of God's blessing. Ah. Wow, the Lord is on your side. Ah. No need scared, ah. no need scared. The Lord will be generous to you. Gabriel's compliments make sense in light of God's message for Mary. But since the message has yet to be delivered, Mary is left confused and perplexed. She thinks carefully about what Gabriel's words may imply, especially that statement, the Lord is with you. In the Old Testament, God assures those whom he calls to serve him with the statement, I am with you. Since the Lord is with you, is simply, I am with you in a different form, Mary must have an inkling that the Lord has a task for her. While it's not uncommon for women to serve the Lord, and we can recall Deborah the judge and Esther the queen, what can an ordinary girl like Mary do for the Lord Almighty? Our excited angel delivers the mission brief. Good day, Mary. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves the conception, delivery and raising of a son. You will become pregnant through the agency of the Holy Spirit. This may sound like mission impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. You may select the location to give birth in a manger if you must, but it is essential that you name the boy Jesus. To save time, we have chosen your team member for you, Joseph of the House of David. He is a civilian and a highly capable professional carpenter. As always, the Lord will protect you from being caught or killed. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The angel will see himself out in five seconds. 
Mary is called to be a mother for the Lord. From an angel's innocent perspective, this is good news of great joy. Mary has been singled out of all the women in creation to be the mother of the Son of God. There is none before her and there will be none after her. God is very generous to make Mary such an exclusive offer. No wonder Gabriel arrived with such enthusiasm. However, before we pop the champagne, let us consider if this offer is in fact a good deal for Mary. After all, when the fanfare dies down and the angel departs, Mary will be left alone to deal with the consequences. And the consequences are complicated. On the one hand, Mary agrees with the Lord that, uh, that the Lord is truly gracious to her. God did not despise her youth and humble background, but picked her for this huge role which will propel her into superstardom. Her name shall be cherished and chanted day and night. Her story will be retold, rehearsed, reenacted every year. Her town shall become a popular pilgrim's destination. A nobody with no name shall be remembered as the Blessed Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus of Nazareth. On the other hand, Mary is aware of how inconvenient it is to cooperate with God at this point in her life. I mean, things would have been different if she were in Elizabeth's shoes, married but childless and fast-approaching menopause. If she were like Elizabeth, she would want this child immediately to be free from reproach. But Mary is young, betrothed, but not yet married. She would want children in future, but she doesn't need a child right now. Furthermore, with her betrothal, Mary's parents would have educated her on the birds and the bees and cautioned her against sexual immorality. She would have been kept at home to protect her from the seduction of other men. Being pregnant in her current situation would only bring disapproval, disgrace and endless ridicule. We don't know how bad it was then, but even now, Mary is being mocked by unkind memes on the internet. I prepared a slide, but uh, it's really not very nice. So you Google yourself. Considering the great cost of fame and glory, it seems that the best option for Mary is to maximize her personal happiness and minimize her individual suffering by refusing the mission. Basically, do nothing, avoid all the drama, just lead an ordinary life. But Mary chose to accept the mission. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Church of the Good Shepherd is in many ways similar to Mary. We are a small and humble parish among the many churches on the Commonwealth Avenue Church Belt. We're often mistaken for our Catholic counterpart, the Cathedral of the Good Shepherd on Queen Street. Is it really that confusing? We've not done anything worth mentioning, whether good or bad. Although yesterday Hannah reminded us uh, about Chef at Home. Yeah, we did publish a book. Yeah, okay. Right. Some people don't know that and some people don't even know that we are here in Queenstown. Yet the Lord chose this exceptionally ordinary parish to run Christmas in Queenstown. On the one hand, we are proud to be running such a major production. Over a thousand people walked into our premises every night. And our MP, Mr. Eric Chua, always graced us with his presence. 
and this year we are featured on Salt and Light magazine again. But on the other hand, producing CIQ is hard work. Every CIQ night is five hours, not including time spent on preparations and packing up after. Fridays are tight because our volunteers rush down from work. Sundays are long because we have services in the morning, and Saturdays are the most crowded. A store helper can be stuck at the same store the whole night. A security crew can be walking up and down the entire evening, don't know looking for what. <laughs> then there are traffic marshals and ushers and even the flyers distribution team who went outside, out of sight, working quietly without anyone knowing. And this year, our volunteers almost ended up eating burgers for six days straight. Uh, anyone glad that the Taiwan chicken chop people came? Yeah. Yeah. Producing CIQ is hard work, and our people are tired, we know. Considering the great cost to our individual well-being, it appears that the most logical move for any member is to stop volunteering for CIQ next year. In fact, when the CIQ committee was rallying for volunteers, the person next to me told me quite candidly that he's decided not to volunteer this year because he wants to enjoy himself. Why have a Christmas market in your own church every year when you can't enjoy it? I understand where he's coming from. However, the prisoner's dilemma teaches us that we can minimize the average time spent serving if we cooperate and volunteer together. If we think about our own pleasure and choose to betray the cause, then the rest of us will end up serving more. And if everyone thinks for their own well-being and nobody wants to cooperate, then there won't even be a CIQ. There is also a more fundamental issue here. Where did we get the idea that Christmas is about enjoyment? Is it from holiday movies and commercials and cartoons where people are depicted sitting around a table carving turkeys and ham and having a jolly good time? Is that why we throw parties, drink bubbly champagne, exchange presents, thinking that we're doing it right? Is this really what Christmas is about? Are we missing the point, the essence, the spirit of Christmas if we focus on our own enjoyment? Let's come back to our passage. Mary chose to accept the mission after Gabriel told her who the child is. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He's coming to rescue his people from their sins. Jesus will be great because his name shall be above all names. Thousands will follow him. The rich he will send away empty, but the hungry he will fill with good things. At once, the Son of God through the Spirit of God and the Son of David through his father Joseph, Jesus shall become the last and final king who will reign for all eternity in endless peace. In other words, Jesus is the long-expected saviour of the world. When Mary found out who Jesus is, she accepted the mission. Because although Mary doesn't need the child, although she doesn't want the glory, she knows that Israel is in dire need of, of Jesus. Since he is a part of Israel, Mary will never be completely happy if her people are unhappy. And, that, and as it is, Israel is very miserable right now. 
a lament from 1st Maccabees summarizes the plight of Israel. Woe is me, why was I born to see the ruin of my people, the ruin of the holy city, to dwell there as it was given into the hands of enemies, the sanctuary into the hands of strangers. Her temple has become like a man disgraced, her glorious vessels carried off as spoils, her infants murdered in her streets, her youths by the sword of the enemy. What nation has not taken its share of her realm and laid its hands on her spoils? All her adornment has been taken away. Once free, she has become a slave. We see our sanctuary laid waste, our beauty, our glory. The Gentiles have defiled them. Why are we still alive? Now Mary is presented with the privilege of reversing the plight of Israel by cooperating with God to bring Jesus into the world. To be sure, God could have chosen any other Jewish virgin to do this task. But who knows whether Mary was betrothed to the house of David for such a time as this. Therefore, putting aside her personal self-interest, Mary offered up her soul and body as a living sacrifice for the greater good of the people. Come hell or high water, I am here to serve the Lord and I will do whatever he says. What would we have done if we find ourselves in her position? The Friday before CIQ, we had a special prayer meeting to seek God's protection and assistance for the production. Pastor told us to go around the church and pray as the Spirit leads. I took the lift down to the car park, which seemed like the logical place to start. Immediately, I was prompted to march along the perimeter of the car park. So I started going round, praying in tongues. At first, my rounds spiraled bigger and bigger until I went outside the church. But in the end, they got smaller and smaller until I ended up in the middle of the car park. I had a sense that God is rounding up the people of Queenstown to bring them into the church car park. But what are they going to see here, I wondered. When we regrouped at the pavilion, pastor asked if anyone has a word on impression from the Lord. I kept quiet because I don't know what's, what's the meaning. <laughs> Sheepish eyes. That, yeah. Then I came to Christmas in Queenstown and I saw what was happening in the car park. I saw a member faithfully running her store every night, even though she wasn't in the best of health. Many members who loved her rallied around to help. I saw a young man serve at his Sunday service, bring his friends to our board games ministry for a couple of hours, and then went off for his traffic marshal duty for the rest of the night. I saw a couple who, having left their own children behind, sat down with other people's children to tell them the story of Jesus. I saw an outgoing family who had places to be and people to meet, yet they came down almost every night, entertaining various relatives and friends they've invited to come. And I saw that brother who wanted to enjoy himself, enjoying himself with his family one night. But on the other nights, he too left his family and volunteered. I may be wrong, but perhaps this is what the Lord is rounding up the people of Queenstown to come and see. 
the true spirit of Christmas. Being physically present. Putting yourselves, uh, others before yourself. Making personal sacrifices. Love for one another. Like Mary, this congregation has set aside your own needs to serve the needs of the larger body and our neighbours from near and far. You were here to embody the true spirit of Christmas. And in this way, you brought Jesus to Queenstown. Sacrificing oneself for the greater good is the true spirit of Christmas because this is what our Lord Jesus came to do when he came that very first Christmas. As it is written, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being form, found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Allow me to conclude. It occurred to me that although we first started CIQ in 2016, we've only held it four times in eight years. This was because of the construction of this new Block C and then the disruption brought about by a different C. This reminds us that what has been need not always be. Will we run CIQ again next year? Will we be here for CIQ next year? Only God knows. Therefore, we thank God for the wonderful privilege of producing it again this year and indeed in the previous years. And we thank everyone for making yourself available, for cooperating to make CIQ a reality. Thank you, This eh? also. Thank you, eh? Whatever lies ahead, may we continue to bring Jesus to the world for such a time as this. To God be the glory. Amen.